day we meet up with Jesus as he is preparing to go on his journey towards the cross. We hear this story from Luke that talks about Jesus asking for them to go and get him a colt and to bring it to him so that he can ride into Jerusalem. And you see in the story as Jesus is riding along to Jerusalem on this colt, people are throwing down their clothes and they're laying out for Jesus to process into the city. It is a processional that is similar to a parade. When we look at this particular processional, we also have to acknowledge and understand that on this particular day, Jesus' processional was not the only processional. On this particular day, there was an imperial procession and parade that was going on on the other side of town. Jesus' parade was not as elaborate and fancy as the parade on the other side of town. Rome had a lot of money, a lot of fine horses, and they had a lot of people that were excited to join into that particular parade. Jesus' parade, however, is a little different. Jesus' parade is made up of people who just grabbed what they had in their hands to do what they needed to do in that particular moment. They didn't have fine things to throw down on the ground for Jesus' processional, so they threw down their clothes. There were no fine and awesome horses anywhere, so Jesus said, go and bring me the colt. Jesus puts together a processional that is made up of just the things that are in his hands and in the community's hands to put this particular processional together. There were not a lot of resources. They used simply what they had. They did not try to run out and find a fancy horse saddle. Marcus. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. They did not run out and try to find some fancy tablecloth that they can put on the table that match perfectly with the centerpieces for the after party or the brunch or the lemonade on the lawn. Amen. All they had were the items that were around them. Go and get me that cult around the corner and assemble the people that are interested in being part of this particular professional. It seems to me that on this particular day, people had a choice. You could choose to be in the fancy processional that actually gave you nothing and supported the state in ripping the people off, or you could be in the processional where the people got together and pulled their resources and did for each other and marched alongside Jesus. What is also interesting is that the other processional, they were also screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, to the state, to the emperor, to the empire. They were screaming, save us, save us, save us. Over at Jesus' processional, they were screaming the same thing, Hosanna, save us, save us, save us. Oftentimes, we don't take the time to see what is in our hands. We don't take the time before we start saying, Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, send us somebody who can do videography. Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, send us somebody that could do social media. That was not our cry. That was not our plea. Our plea was God, when we are ready, send the things that we need to get to the next level of ministry we need to get to. Instead, we would be a congregation that believed we can pool our resources and put some carpet on this stage. We can pool our resources and do some amazing things in our community. We can pool our resources and get out there and not just save souls, but save lives. That is how the ministry we say, Oh Lord, save us. What is in your Hands. Oftentimes we get caught up in thinking about the lack of resources. But all the while we have to realize that the lack of the resources is just about us moving just as Jesus moves closer to the cross and following our calling and following what God has asked us to do. Now, as you can imagine, the wealthy, the government, to just put it in context, the state, they weren't happy about these, Carol and Edna hate when I do this, but they weren't happy about these misfits that had pooled their resources and were marching in this procession. They were not happy that the people had chosen Jesus and not had chosen to be paying attention to Caesar. They were not happy that the people had turned to Jesus, they had turned to their community to say, save us. The only people that could save you in that time was the state, so they thought. The only people that could save you in that time was Rome, so they thought. It may seem as though I'm being a little edgy, but I am intentional about being edgy in this particular way. We think a lot about the government trying to fix and do a whole lot of things for us. It is okay for us to pool our resources and the government to do the things to ensure the national tranquility and the peace and the welfare of its people. But sometimes I wonder, as a people of God, are we thinking about what is God is calling us to do? Are we turning our hopes and our inspirations and our joys and our happiness towards the government? Are we seeking on the state, the empire, to make our lives better? Or are we turning towards Jesus, who is the master of our soul? Are we turning towards Jesus, who is the Lord and the life through which we, through which we want to live our lives? It is an interesting question in this time as we debate all these policies. But this is not about me saying you gotta pick right or left. This is about me saying put your head on your shoulders and start thinking critically. Everything everybody tells you is not just the best way to go. Everybody has a good plan, but have you thought through those plans? In this processional setup today, you have people who have decided to march with Jesus instead of marching with the state. It seems to me that it raises a question for us in this particular time. Is God the one that is the source or is it the government and our jobs? 
Is God the source that illumines our souls and enlightens our life? Or is the God? Is God, are we living and moving and breathing through God? Or is it some other external source? That's why we had to get off the beach. That's why we had to get off the court. That's why we had the time during this season. That's why we had to focus on praying. As we become a resurrection people and we move with Jesus towards the cross, we must ask ourselves, who, my God, is my source? It is mighty interesting to me that a piece of encouragement comes to us from this story today. When the people said, because the words come to us actually from Psalm 18, when they say, save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. In the midst of them crying, Hosanna, save us, O Lord. Come and make things better for us. And uh, footnote number one, they weren't talking about save our souls for heaven. <laughs> they had real things that they needed done. They weren't talking about Jesus go to the cross and die and get us out of hell. They were talking about Jesus do something now and come and save us. This is why some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and what you see got upset with him because he was not the Messiah that they had been hoping for. They were hoping for a Messiah that would have a processional like the empirical processional and would march in and kill everybody and make things better for them. Instead, they got a ragtag misfit processional that just threw a whole bunch of stuff in the pot and made it happen like a gumbo. That is what they ended up with. They didn't end up with the fancy thing. They ended up with something quite different. But when we look to Psalm 18, what I love, because even as we go through this season, I'll tell you right now, it has been an interesting season for us in which, for some reason, a whole lot of people are going through a whole lot of things in this congregation. And I prayed yesterday, I said, God, why did, why Lent? Why Lent? It's an amazing season for us to turn towards God as irrational as it may seem, seem and to lift up that cry to say, save us. We beseech you, O Lord, save us. But I like what comes after that, Dr. Rock. In verse 26, after the save us, we beseech you, save us, the people didn't revel in the saving and the crying and the pleading. They didn't stand there and continue to say, please, 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 Lord, save us, help us. They did something that was quite interesting. They turned to offer up praise. They said, save us, we beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you, save us. And something happened in the mind of the psalmist, I think, because the psalmist then said next, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 
We bless you from the house of Israel. The Lord is God and he has given us life behind the festival, festival procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. I think what they were trying to tap into was this thing that it is not just enough to ask God for something. It is not just enough to beseech for saving. We also have to make sure that praise is in the midst of our petitions. The petition cannot come without the praise. The praise has to be with the petition. It is kind of a universal law, and you can go and research the law of attraction, but it is something about when you begin to petition, you also have to praise. Praise means you acknowledge that you have all that you need. Praise means that you acknowledge that God is your source. So in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain, it is God, save me, Hosanna, save me, but also praise be to the Lord for all that is happening. Praise be to the Lord for this struggle because I shall overcome. God may not have caused my suffering, but God is going to get the praise for my victory no matter what is going on. Towards the end of this pericope, Jesus answers them because some of the Pharisees, they're scared. They're terrified of what the empire is going to do to them for crying, save me to this Jesus who is a nobody in the eyes of the empire. And so what Jesus says, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout out. If they were silent, the very earth would have to give and lift up a praise. Romans says creation is groaning to be released. So in the midst of this all as a people of God, we must be mindful that no matter what is happening around us, what is happening to us in this season, it is still a moment for us to lift up a praise and gratitude for God for all that has been done for us. It is time for us to lift up gratitude and praise to God for all oh, that has been done to us. It is time for us to lift up a praise and gratitude for God to God for all that we have been able to do for ourselves. We cannot hold back the praise in this season of promise as we move towards the cross. It is interesting that even though the movement was moving towards the cross, they were still able to lift up a praise. Jesus, knowing that he is still going to be crucified, that he is going to undergo agony, there was still a need to lift up a praise. So as you are in this season between Palm Sunday and Easter, and as you continue to pray and hope for God to do a mighty move or act in your life, as you are in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday, remember that you are stretched across the two. And in between these two, it is a moment to lift up some praise. It is a time 
in which we cannot just cry, Hosanna, save us, but we also have to lift up gratitude to the one who has made us. Jesus, as he was hanging there, in between life and death, knew the possibility of what would happen. I've heard some scholars say the processional, the movement was a failure. That the Jesus movement was a failure on Good Friday. Friday, Saturday, 48 hours of silence. But then something miraculous happened on Sunday. And I can't go all the way there today because <laughs> I got to say it for Sunday. <laughs> but the cross had to happen in order to get to Easter Sunday. There are some people right now who are on, they feel like they are on their way to Golgotha. They feel as though their life has reached a point in which they are questioning what are they going to do next. And I'm not talking about somebody else in some other church. I'm talking about in this church, right here in this place. But I believe God has the answer and the solution. Most of our struggles are self-inflicted either by ourselves or by other people. But I believe in a God that can bring about resurrection life. And so I'm just saying right now, it's okay to be sitting on Golgotha waiting on the resurrection. It's okay to be sitting in your pain, in your struggle, in your ish, whatever it is. It is okay to sit in it and to be with it and to grieve through it and to work through it. But oh my God, whatever you do in between now and resurrection, get somewhere alone, go in the prayer closet like my grandmother used get somewhere by yourself and say, God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this is coming to my life, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to scream, Hosanna, Hosanna, save me, but I'm also going to say, thank you, God. I'm also going to say, praise you, God. I'm also going to say, I know I'm going to have the victory because Jesus got the victory. I will triumph over this situation. Let us not be defeated, as I've said time and time before, when people have asked why Jesus, you don't get better than a resurrection story. You don't get better than this season that taps into the reality that all of us journey with Christ towards the cross. We are resurrection people because of the cross. And so I hope you will join us and be here next Sunday as God will have already moved toward the cross and on the cross and we prepare for God to move out of the tomb next week. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen.